You're listening to Leveling Up, the podcast dedicated to helping you achieve your career goals faster without all the guesswork. Each week, we cover topics like people management, communication, personal brand, time management, and so much more. Today, I have with me Samantha Nolan, the founder of Nolan Branding. And today, we're talking about all things LinkedIn. You have LinkedIn profile. Now the question is, how can you get the most out of it? Samantha shares her expertise here. This is the second episode of two in a series on LinkedIn. Make sure to check out the other episode with Katie Fogarty. Before we jump right in, let me tell you more about Samantha and her company, Nolan Branding. Nolan Branding got its start as Ladybug Design, a company launched in 2000 as a corporate design firm. And since 2002, the firm has focused exclusively on personal branding through the development of resumes, interview and career coaching, as well as LinkedIn promotion. The company changed their name to Nolan Branding, where careers take flight in 2017. Samantha is an accomplished personal branding expert who has worked with more than 9,000 clients in over 47 states around the world. Her well-known column, Dear Sam, is published in more than 20 newspapers, including the LA Times, Columbus Dispatch, and San Diego Union Tribune. Samantha, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today. Of course. Thank you for having me. How did you get into this space and what is it that you're working on these days? Sure, absolutely. So I sort of fell into this space a little bit. My foundational experiences were in corporate marketing and communication. So typically branding products. And that's where I worked for a handful of years after I received my master's in marketing and communication. And a number of life events happened, which if any of the listeners end up going to my website, there's some videos about that. But um, a few different uh, significant turning points happened in my life, including being 28 years old and already having been the victim of two downsizing initiatives and then fired once. So, you know, three job changes that um, I really had zero control over by the time I was, you know, the ripe old age of 28. And so um, I was was a, a little bit of a rude awakening for someone that thought you went to school, you worked hard, you kept your job, you know, for the rest of your life. So I'm sure many of your listeners have been in the same spot where, you know, we go to work and we do our job and we do we do it well and then, you know, there's very little loyalty sometimes on the other side of the table as we've all come to know over the last, you know, decade or fifteen years of constant layoffs and downsizing. So I was one of those people that was really tired of contributing value and not feeling certain about my own future. And given that I had those experiences and had specialized thus far in corporate uh, branding, I decided to leverage my skills in a different way to, um, to help individuals in transition kind of, you know, take ownership of their own journey by being able to reflect the messages that they wanted to convey to their target hiring managers um, in a really impactful way, both in content and design. So that's sort of how my my firm was born. Initially, actually dabbled in more of the corporate graphic design side. And then in 2002, made the shift to personal branding exclusively and have been doing that ever since. Wow. So that's quite the journey. Um, it's funny, you know, you mentioned moving 
between three different positions without much control over what happened. And it's, I find that so many people think that it's so much more risk take, you know, risky to start your own business. But in your case, <laughs> the traditional route had quite a bit of risk in it. Right, right. I say to clients, you know, in the last um, 19 years now, not one day did I wake up and say, yeah, I'm laying you off today or I'm firing you today. So this is the most job security I've ever had. Now, <laughs> certainly, certainly financially, it comes with its own risks. You have to, you know, build a base that sustains you. You have to weather, you know, I had to weather the economic uncertainties of the late, you know, 2000s, just like everybody else. And that has a pretty significant impact when you're a small business. But I've been very, very fortunate in that my, my craft and what I'm really passionate about doing translates really well and really uniquely into the personal branding space where I bring a slightly different viewpoint of branding to individuals um, that is a, a little bit unique in this industry. And so I'm nearing my 10,000th client and I've worked with clients in almost every state and many countries around the world and, you know, have, have really just been um, very, very fortunate and successful in this arena. So the uncertainty is somewhat gone, knock on wood, as I knock on my desk. But um, but you're right. You know, I've created, thankfully, uh, the you know a little bit of less volatility than I ever had as an employee. Right. Wow. And you write for well, you write Dear Sam, which is yeah, highly syndicated, and you're sharing your tips and advice with other people. Um, how do you find that your you know your background within design kind of translates into the branding of individuals in in particular? Like which elements have been most useful for you? Honestly, all of it. I mean, my 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 whole journey, whether it was working in the marketing arena or choosing to get a master's in marketing and communication, it laid the foundation for everything I do. So so while you don't think of, you know, building someone's resume as a design project, to me, it, it absolutely is. So, you know, just like a marketer would take a product and identify its target audience and define the messaging that would secure, you know, the action that we want, it's no different when I take a human being and a professional candidate and say, you know, this is who you are and this is how you want to be seen. And this is your target audience. And what messaging do we need to evoke to prompt the right action? And how do we package that so that it's aesthetically pleasing and um, impactful from a content perspective for who will be the ultimate decision maker, the human being, the hiring manager? You know, we have applicant tracking systems where we don't have the value of the design and the aesthetic, but we're still a largely human-driven process when it comes to the decision-making. And so the overall branding process, whether it's corporate branding or personal branding, to me is really, really similar. And I think that's why I bring a little bit of a different flavor to this industry because not many approach this space from a Marcom perspective. They're more of a, a true, you know, a journalist or a true written communications perspective. And I look at it much more um, just as an extension of what I used to do. You know, this is my product and this is my target audience and how do I message to prompt action? So um, all of it rolls into it really nicely. 
Great. And so let's talk more about that. What what is it that personal branding um, is to you? You know, how how do you think about personal branding and how you tell your story? Yeah, and I like the fact that you use the word story because a big buzzword in my industry right now is storytelling, and um, and that's how I've approached projects for a while is understanding what someone's brand is like, not not just a personal brand, so what our characters like, how we act, etc. But obviously in my space, I'm looking more at their professional persona. So how are we positioning someone's candidacy? Who are we marketing them to? Um, how do we message that to make sure that our audience understands who we are? How is that translated into, you know, kind of an, an omni-channel arena? So how do we represent who we are as a professional on LinkedIn versus our resume versus maybe our personal social channels. So when I look at personal branding, I'm really looking at, you know, while we have the word personal in there, it's really how are we representing our professional persona? You know, when you're a marketing organization or a company or Coca-Cola or whatever you are, you define your buyer persona. So you understand who your target audience is down to sometimes the age and the gender and et cetera. And we're really doing the same thing when it comes to personal branding. We're defining their persona in a way that attracts, you know, who is going to be a decision maker for and the gatekeeper, if you will, for what that candidate wants to do. And and sometimes that can be an active job seeker. And sometimes it can be a passive job seeker, especially when we're talking about LinkedIn, because having a presence on LinkedIn doesn't mean we're conducting an active job search. It just means we are being a good professional. And with 80% of jobs on the closed market that will never hit you know, the newspaper or Indeed or what have you, um, it's really, really important to be able to build and represent your personal brand in a really robust way for all of those opportunities, whether it's today or in five years. And in turn, you mentioned LinkedIn being a tool that, you know, for active job seekers as well as passive job seekers. Um, what about for the people who, you know, they, I think it, it comes down to, okay, I'm not really even passively looking, but we're always passively looking, right? Um, we how, are. Right? Yes. So how can somebody um, position themselves in a way on LinkedIn to be able to stand out without appearing to their employer, for example, that, they, that they're looking for a new role if they're really just genuinely not? Right, right. And I do get that question a lot where you know, a client will say, you know, I'm not looking and I don't want my employer to you know, see that I'm really making changes and then, you know, it's going to bring up questions. But of course, we're all sort of open for the right opportunity. So, so I tell my clients, you know, when you're not conducting an active search, meaning that you're not out there pushing your candidacy, but you're willing to let people pull it, LinkedIn is really the tool to do that for you. So, as a professional and as a representative of your employer, you are doing them a service by having a robust LinkedIn presence. Whether it's customers that can look at the representative they're working with and they can go to your LinkedIn profile and see your background and see the great things that you do for your current employer. 
um, whether it's a, you know, a, a brand that you represent um, or, you know, an organization that you're a part of outside of work. LinkedIn is a way to say, hey, this is who I am and this is what I do. That's valuable whether you're conducting a search or not conducting a search. And at the end of the day, you know, going back to the story that I said, you know, 28 years old, laid off twice, fired once, nobody had my interests at heart when they did that. So, you know, representing your own interests and advocating for your own personal brand is absolutely vital in protecting yourself from those uncertainties. So I've had, you know, in 10,000 clients, like I said, I've had one client come to me and say, you know, my HR manager saw that I, you know, made a bunch of changes on LinkedIn and I lost my job. But that was already an adversarial relationship. So that was going to happen whether it was LinkedIn breaking the camel's back or something else. Um, so having a presence on LinkedIn and making sure that all of your positions are described and you have recommendations and your skills are positioned in alignment with who you are today and maybe not what you did in college or, you know, even before some people have, you know, don't update their skills and it's reflective of a different piece of their career, making sure that you're represented in the robust, in the most robust manner, whether you're searching or not is going to benefit your employer and help protect you so that if something uncertain does happen, you already have a presence. You've already built your network. You can shoot out a message to your connection saying, hey, you know, I'm looking. Um, so it really is an, a non-negotiable option for any professional. What types of professionals do you find you work with the most? Like, When does somebody decide, I need to partner with somebody, you know, an expert on this subject? What are the triggers for that typically? My client base is fairly diverse. So I will work with someone, you know, just out of college up to a C-suite leader of a Fortune 50 company. Most people I would say um, that I work with are probably going to be in that senior management tier. So maybe 20 so years into their career. But I have um, many clients on either side of that. Everybody that I work with that is positioning themselves for a professional career, which would be, you know, a resume driven job search process, has to have a LinkedIn profile. Whether I do it or not, it makes no difference. But um, it's non negotiable, like I just said. It is how we represent our personal brands digitally today. So, so my clients, you know, run the gamut and, um, and a lot of times they'll come to me because they are seeking a change. So they're, they're not just looking to continue to be successful in the field that they're in. They're looking for um, sometimes a total career pivot. Uh, sometimes they're looking to step backward a little bit. Sometimes they've just received a degree and they're looking to, you know, change focus. So there's usually some element of change or some challenge that they're seeking to overcome that wouldn't allow them to just um, automatically 
sort of write about their own journey on paper. They need a little bit more of a strategic messaging approach. And that's how they get to me. Great. Yeah. And I I imagine a big part of why, you know, not everybody is partnering with an expert like yourself um, is more just Mm -hmm. around resources, but that benefit of having somebody and, you know, somebody else to be able to have a sounding board, have this discussion with is so valuable. Um, So when we talk about the, the actual usage of LinkedIn, um, you know, where does somebody start when they're, they're thinking about it from a job search perspective? So you've come in, you're looking for, you know, you have this pretty specific audience, hopefully, which is your future employer or hiring manager. Um, for your more senior executives, do you approach that differently than your more junior executives? Like, how should people think about their? Wow, well, that was a lot of questions in one. How should people think about their <laughs> their audience when they get started with this LinkedIn process? Yeah, so I think people should start thinking about who their target hiring manager would be next. So, you know, whether you're at an executive level or you're just starting out, we should all be representing our professional persona in the way we wish for it to be seen. So if, you know, to take a simplistic example, so if I'm working with, let's say, a staff accountant, and um, let's say she's been a staff accountant for 15 years, and you know, just went back to school, got a degree in human resources, really looking to totally do a career 180 and join that field. Well, we need to look at LinkedIn as a way to represent that person's professional candidacy as an HR professional. And so when we look at, you know, from the top down, so when we look at you know, the URL she customizes for LinkedIn, the background header image that she chooses, the headshot that she selects, you know, the 2000 characters of content that she can build very rich keyword, um, keyword rich content into to present her candidacy now because obviously her experiences and that's kind of the meat of LinkedIn are not going to be able to represent her as she wants to be seen as much as she would like because her career has been somewhat unrelated. So of course, you know, leveraging any transferable skills she can within that section, but then making sure that all of the skills that she selected that can be organically endorsed by her network relate to how she's positioning herself now, that her recommendations that she seeks are citing things that she has done in the past that are either transferable or people that can vouch for her studies or her work in a specific area in her past related to an HR function. That the organizations, the groups, the influencers she follows that people can see when they go to her LinkedIn profile represent her current candidacy. So we'd be looking for, you know, HR thought leaders that she's following, that she's a member of all of the HR groups on LinkedIn. So it's really just putting on the right colored glasses. Um, so you're looking through the right lenses when someone's looking at your profile to make sure that you're not just being seen as what you do every day, but who you want to be. And that goes for you know someone coming right out of college that's just starting their career or an executive that's looking to you know join another organization in a specific industry or you know 
pivot to something different. It, um, it's really no different. Thank you. That's a lot for, for somebody to consider. And I think, um, you know, just having those, those tangible pieces of information for how can I even get started is always very helpful. Um, when you, you know, as, as somebody is jumping into figuring out what to write, um, how do you help them? And not just with your clients, but in general, recommending somebody help, help them get the information they need to um, pinpoint the right information to share. I know there's limits on how much you can share on LinkedIn. Of course, you don't want to mm-hmm. share too much in general. Yeah. Where, where should they um, get that information? Well, for someone's professional experience, they should have it in their head. If they, if they don't recall, because maybe they've been doing the same thing for 20 years and it's rote, right? So we, and, and honestly, a, a lot of the generations that I work with are, um, are still possessing like a high level of humility. They didn't go home and write down their accomplishments every day. So after a career long, um, tenure with an employer, they're left knowing that I did my job. When it's rare that someone just does their job, there are always things that you do beyond the expected. And that's the content that really differentiates one person from another because it's, it's likely that when applying for a position or let's say even just with a passive approach on LinkedIn, if a recruiter is looking at two different profiles for people that have been in very similar fields, which is not going to be uncommon when you're recruiting, then it's likely that their jobs were quite similar. So maybe they even had very similar templatized job descriptions at some point in their career. So if we just focused on what we did every day, we would be the same as our competitors. And that leaves us even again, that nobody rises to the top and gets the interview. So just like with your resume, with LinkedIn, the content should really focus on, you know, how did I add value? How did I contribute beyond the expected? What did I do that wasn't outlined in my job description? And if someone's having a hard time figuring out what those things are, they can hopefully look at past performance evaluation to jog their memory as to, oh, I remember what I did in 2005. Totally forgot about that project. Yeah, that's a great thing to highlight. Or they can go to um, a job board like Indeed and search for other job postings similar to ones that they held. And that can help jog their memory to kind of fill out the content of how they added value. They can ask their peers, their managers, maybe their subordinates, their spouses, um, anyone that may have recollection as to those special things that they may have talked about over the years. So those are really the keys to differentiating. And there are a number of ways to kind of source the information if it doesn't come innately to you. Right. And in terms of the... um... I think going back to the information that you've forgotten is is one of those tough things that happens on the resume process as well, right? Uh, we rec- typically recommend just sitting down and writing the world's longest resume or list of things you <laughs> um, because yeah. if you, after a while they'll just start to come to you. But uh, those are great mm-hmm. tips. Some of the most fun projects that I have is one. I remember one particular client literally just did exactly what you said, sat down with a legal pad, 
and a pen, you know, and paper, not fingers and keyboards, and wrote pages upon pages of everything he remembered. And it was fantastic for me because it really told a story because as his memories collected, um, a really lovely story emerged. And so for me as a storyteller, it was fantastic because it it really kind of narrated the way for me. And that was a great way for him not to feel the pressure of, oh, I have to write a resume, you know, to to get a resume. But it was more of, let me just tell my story. And so when I do my calls with each of my clients, a lot of it focuses because some of them are kind of nervous and anxious and they don't feel like they remember well enough, like you said. So a lot of what I say to my clients is, you know, tell me about that transition and what was hard about that and what was the legacy you left? And I just kind of have them narrate the journey to me. And within that narration are these amazing little nuggets. And then I can grab onto that and say, ah, tell me more about that. And so for an individual, you can do that with a peer, a mentor, a spouse, a friend, anyone that kind of doesn't have an super intimate knowledge of your day-to-day so that they can ask probing questions and you can do that same exercise and it's a great way to remember and sort of build the the basic, you know, building blocks to your resume and your LinkedIn profile for sure. That that process of having somebody else read it, um, I like to ask if they, you know, if they read it, would they be able to repeat it back to you correctly? Like would they actually really (laughs) what you do? And I I like that as well. Um, So the, the use of the actual LinkedIn profile itself, right? People are using this to discover you, but they're also using this to, um, you know, you're often we're sending this out on our own behalf. Um, how do you help somebody figure out when they're ready to share versus, you know, they need to add more? How should they be able to determine when it's ready, if that makes sense? Well, I mean, with LinkedIn, there's no draft feature, right? So when you put it out there, it's out there. Now, obviously, you can go into your settings and you can, you know, batten down the hatches and hide things and block people. But <laughs> but generally, I mean, when you hit save, it's published. So there is no, in my opinion, oh, I did my LinkedIn profile two years ago. It's good. LinkedIn is or should be an ever-evolving presentation because you've done things in those past two years. Your skills should change. You know, you should be adding recommendations. You should be following new organizations and emerging thought leaders in your space. There's always something to do. So I think, you know, while I rattled off a ton of things someone can do when thinking about creating or revamping their LinkedIn profile, I think that you know, building your resume is the first step of having the content that you need, the basic, you know, content to populate the sections of LinkedIn. So once you have your resume and you think, yes, this represents my brand, I know it's keyword centric. I know how I'm positioning myself in the market. I understand the language that I need to speak to attract my target audience, whether you're active or passive as a job seeker. Then it's time to say, okay, I have the basics to work on LinkedIn. So, you know, either you erase what you have in terms of your content or you create a new account if you're just starting out. 
And then you start populating the sections. And it's going to guide you through that process, obviously. But then LinkedIn, as an, as an active job seeker, I would recommend scheduling working on LinkedIn as a really big, big spoke in your job search wheel at least 30 minutes a day. And that could be spent you know, doing a couple of things to your profile. It can be spent looking and commenting intelligently on articles in your area of expertise or the industry you want to go into. It could be finding a handful of new networking contacts to send a personalized request to. So LinkedIn is never done. Um, In fact, if you are done on LinkedIn, that's sort of a sign that you're kind of done on LinkedIn. So you have to keep it evolving um, and, you know, schedule the time because LinkedIn can be completely overwhelming. You can go into the deepest rabbit hole on LinkedIn and spend, you know, an entire day plus and still not be quote unquote done. So I would schedule it when you're an active job seeker. And then when you're a passive job seeker, make sure that you're being authentic in your interactions on LinkedIn, that you're checking it every day just to see if there are articles or you know postings that you want to comment on because all of that activity will show up in your profile. And you want to make sure that your activity and what you look like resonates with who you are as a professional. Um, and that never goes away. You know, This is our digital footprint. So um, it's just a, a constant evolution, just a little bit more concerted effort when you're actually conducting an active search. Which part do you think is the most difficult in terms of defining your brand? And that, you know, you talked about how you mm-hmm. wanted to you know, resonate with your brand, but um, yeah, what do you find to be the most difficult for your clients? I think the most difficult element of defining someone's brand is doing the definition piece and, and feeling comfortable closing some doors because a lot of people want to keep all their options open. And that's not a good branding strategy. When, you know, when a company brands a product, they don't say, you know, our target demographic is a 30 to 35 year old single male, but we're going to keep our options open for, you know, the grandparent with five grandchildren. That's not what we do. We target. And so we deliver the strongest message to that target audience so that we can get the highest conversion. And it's the same thing with a personal brand. Targeting is the number one mistake made on a resume, on a positioning strategy, on LinkedIn, in that we don't define who we are and therefore we don't kind of carve out and own our little piece of expertise. So it's really, really important to not keep all of our options open at times and say, you know what, I'm comfortable owning this expertise and this is who I am and this is how I'm positioning myself now. Not to say that that might not change in a few years, but right now, this is who I am and these are the doors that I'm knocking on because I want to knock on five doors and have four of them open, not knock on a hundred and have one open. And that's what a lot of people do when they try to do too much with their candidacy or their personal brand is that they really dilute the impact because the messaging isn't as strong. Um, So that I would say is the number one mistake people make. 
That is fantastic advice. And I think it also comes down even in the job search itself, right? Uh, we see oh, that happen. 100%. <laughs> I, I'd be open to being yeah. a you know senior project manager on this subject, but I could also do this totally different job. Um, right, exactly. And I've and I've also thought about doing this, and that, but I could do that. But I just really like people, so I could do anything with people. It, yeah, it, <laughs> and it's, I might start um, a company. <laughs> right. So, and I don't blame them. I mean, with the uncertainty of the job search process, the uncertainty of being an employee these days, um, the scary black hole we all submit our resumes into that nothing ever comes back. It's hard to close doors, but the most successful clients that I have are the ones that are ultra targeted because we can absolutely develop the message that resonates with who we're trying to attract. So it will it will pay back in droves, I promise the listeners that you know close some of those doors because you know what? We're not the best for all of those options. You know, we're we're not typically that amazing that we could be seen as an expert in a hundred different things. So they're really targeting and making sure we're owning who we are um, is really, really important. That's fantastic advice. So in terms of using LinkedIn um, to share your, your personal branding story, you you discussed earlier that you should really start with your resume and start by digging in, finding the right keywords to uh, share that resume with the right people. If you're not looking for a job at all, do you have tips and advice for how... you know We talked about that passive job seeker is looking for a job, but um, who might be some other audiences they should consider in terms of telling that personal brand story? Mm-hmm. My goodness. I mean, if you think about someone, you know, let's say someone's a very happy employee. Well, maybe they want an internal promotion. Well, sometimes those internal opportunities are the ones that think they know the most about you that actually know the least about you. So when I represent a client's brand for an internal opportunity, we realize in... And I've done this for years. So we realize in that discovery process that their peers and sometimes even their managers, depending on what level they are and, and how close that reporting relationship is, have very little idea about their value-added contribution. So even just representing yourself internally is really, really important. So if you never want to work for another organization again, I imagine that you will want the promotion. You're not going to stay in the same job for 45 years. So Representing your brand on LinkedIn for your peers, for potential future managers, for maybe the you know the HR manager who's looking for high potential leaders to join you know their development program, um, maybe for board opportunities for organizations that are vetting your candidacy for a nonprofit or a corporate board, maybe someone looking you know to help run. Um, you know, a, a little league or a Boy Scouts group. I mean, we all go to social media or, or Google and Google people. And this, one of the first responses that is going to likely come up will be, you know, your Facebook page, your LinkedIn profile, etc. So anybody and everybody can look at it. So when we think about who's in our circle from a personal and per- professional perspective, we really won't do ourselves any favors if we don't 
optimally represent ourselves, whether it's, you know, because we're conducting a search or not, because anybody can look at our profile at any time. So we want to make sure that if a peer looks at our profile, you know, in tomorrow, 2019, and then they get promoted and they remember, oh, I remember seeing someone in my organization that had that skill set and I really liked his or her profile. You know, two years from now, that could be the trigger that makes them think of you for an internal position. So it really can't be understated or rather overstated the power of LinkedIn, whether you're conducting a search or not. I think that's a great place to wrap up on that topic, Ben, because, you know, everything that you've said today is a tangible piece of information that somebody can sit down and just walk away from this conversation and get started, right? They can start to think about what it is that they need in their resume and then take that and turn it into a personal brand story on their LinkedIn. Um, But they might want to work with an expert such as yourself. So we'll share your contact information here in a minute. But before we do, um, I'd love to hear about the resources that you go to for really any number of things, but specifically for how somebody can uh, use LinkedIn to revamp their, their personal brand and also land that job that they're looking to land? Sure, sure. Um, A lot of the resources that I go to are more to do with thought leadership forums and the personal branding space. But for a a job seeker or a listener seeking information, um, there are lots of people that do what I do. And um, and I would seek out those people and uh, look at whom is seen as a thought leader in the space so that you're guided by expertise and not opinions. Unfortunately, you know, like many industries, but particularly in this industry, we're very opinion driven at some times. And, you know, you can read a piece of legitimate expertise and then your neighbor's brother's uncle tells you something and then that gospel, right? So I think that listeners should prescribe to thought leadership forums, whether that's um, the Balanced Careers, Forbes, um, sites like mine and, and other thought leaders in this space, which aren't hard to find if you Google us, that should sort of guide their strategy in personal branding and, and allow the noise of the opinions to take a back seat because it can be very, very easy to get guided in a hundred different directions when there are very few quote unquote rules um, in this space. So, you know, looking at um, looking at the more legitimate places to get information and not maybe counting on, you know, your neighbor, etc., would be my number one piece of advice because I see so many job seekers that are torn in so many different directions because they don't know what advice to follow. They go to one place, they get told A, they go to another place, they get told B. The Muse, like I said, the Balance, Careers, Forbes, all great, uh, reputable resources. Um, LinkedIn has an amazing learning center that you can leverage for um, for information on crafting a profile and making it robust and what each piece of all the changes that they've done um, and constantly do mean and how it impacts your professional brand on LinkedIn. So that's a great option also. Wow. Thank you so much. 
we will link to as many of those as possible below and also um, you know, your site as well. But where can our listeners find you? Yeah, well, thank you. Um, the best way, honestly, as we're talking about LinkedIn is on LinkedIn. So um, my profile, I have a business profile, Nolan Branding, but most of the lion's share of my activity on LinkedIn is under my personal profile, which is Samantha-Nolan. So I'm sure if you go to LinkedIn and search Samantha Nolan, you'll find you'll find me there and I'd love to connect. Great. Thank you so much for making the time today, Samantha. Of course. My pleasure. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Leveling Up. To help you take the guesswork out of achieving your career goals, check out more conversations at levelingup.co and subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, or your favorite podcast provider.